Welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And we have a very special guest with us today, film critic extraordinaire, frequent guest at FanX, Patrick Gibbs. Welcome to the show. Hello. I just realized this is video. I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> you look great. You look great. Thanks. I was going to say the same. About well, your your hair looks fantastic. Thanks. And Tracy's the beard got game. a bad case of hair envy. He's always commenting on our guests' hair. Well, I want him to feel comfortable and welcome. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the fact that I got nothing up here. Come on. Just on the outside. Plenty right. inside up there. Yeah. Thank you. Plenty yeah. of hair on the inside. <laughs> well, no, no. Just not nothing on the inside. <laughs> An ingrown scalp. Yeah. <laughs> it's inverted. I see. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah. That explains a lot of the uh, <laughs> controversial opinions that you have sometimes. Crazy. It's all true. Hairy in, in the there. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough of your harebrain schemes, Mangum. Ah, that does ah. give a whole new meaning to harebrain. I like Pat that. Patrick, tell everybody <laughs> a little bit about uh, what you do and where they can find all of your stuff before we jump into the crazy. Um, sure. I am the film critic for Slug Magazine. You can find that's Salt Lake Underground Magazine. Uh, you can find print copies uh, in the finest coffee shops around the Salt Lake area. But um, my stuff you'll find on the website www.slugmag.com i publish usually three between 3 and 5 reviews per week um intermixed with interviews with industry professionals uh whether it's actors directors cinematographers what have you i interviewed in the past few months, I've interviewed uh, Denzel Washington, yeah. uh, Kathy Bates, and the Fraggles. So it's <laughs> a, nice, a nice mix. Yeah, that's a nice breadth of, uh, of people. Yeah, it, it really is. The Fraggles were were fun. Well, we we anticipate being that same caliber of conversation as those <laughs> guests that, or those interviewees that you just talked about, Denzel Washington, Fraggles. Yeah, we'll we'll be on that same level for sure. The Fraggles, I got Fraggles. Really to compete with, but <laughs> Tracy. All right. Well, that's awesome. We are so glad to have you here, Patrick, and especially because today we're talking about the Oscars. So, about a week from when this episode airs, uh, the Oscars will air and they'll announce all the winners and everything so we are looking at the best picture nominees today as well as best animated feature because there's something a little different in the animated feature category this year that we want to discuss so and hopefully between now and then they will cave and run all put all the nominees in the broadcast yes yes I, I, yeah. I'm I'm particularly I don't want to like waste a lot of time on that but the one year that I'm really invested in best uh, 
live action short film mm -hmm. is the year that they're not going to name off all the nominees. And I know one of the nominees. I interviewed him. It's an incredible oh. film. I really have one to, to root for. If you haven't seen, um, it's called On My Mind. It's a really incredible, very moving film by uh, a director who he won before in 2002, 2003, um, got up there and completely bombed with his opening joke and is really hoping to set that right. So. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah he, what he did, I, he, he got up there and said, the first thing he said was, a note to Steve Martin, lay off the onions. Nobody got, and like, 20 minutes earlier, Steve Martin had made a joke about being jealous of the nominees and said that he uh, had made a comment about how he had licked every one of the Oscars. <laughs> but... And so with, he was referencing... Yeah. yeah, so he was referencing that, but 20 minutes had passed and mm. no one remembered it. Uh, plus, he had a Danish accent, and so it just... It just, didn't. it just completely fell flat. That that sums up pop culture in Hollywood right now. When you yeah. say twenty minutes, 20 minutes passed, later, oh, everyone had yeah. gotten it. That is. <laughs> what, that's do you mean how it goes. what do you mean they told us there was UFOs? Yeah. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Happened, uh, that never uh, happened. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting because that every year there's nominees and there's Oscars that are given out that don't make the broadcast. They're usually for very technical things, but it seems like this year they've paired it back even more to a lot of categories that do normally make it. So I do hope that they cave and they get those uh, on the, on the broadcast. Well, did you guys hear about Jessica Chastain? What about her? There's a lot going on. She, she said that she will not do red carpet interviews or ABC stuff because she wants to be in the theater when her makeup team for the eyes of Tammy Faye get, get discussed. She's like, I will skip the red carpet. I will not do interviews. I will be in the theater to support my team. And I thought that's really cool. Yeah. That good for her. That um, makeup team was incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a big, a movie like that. It's a big part of mm -hmm. the performance. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, I, I really, respect yeah. that's cool it's it's interesting because it feels like one of the big complaints about the oscars so this is i don't know it, it seems like one of the big complaints is that they're out of touch with what moviegoers want to go see right and so in some ways they're dumbing down the ceremony by by not having some of these other categories in there because they feel like people don't really care but at the same time they're still picking a bunch of movies for best picture nominee that a lot of people haven't seen or haven't heard of a lot that they have Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about them, break them down, because there's like 50 of them. So we're going to have to go through <laughs> some of these. I, maybe this is me. This is going to be like my, and I'm, I, I realize I'm not that old, but it's my old man, get off my lawn moment. I remember when the Best Picture nominee was like four or five nominees. And yeah. now it's, it's, I don't know, what is it, 11, 12? 11. It's 10 maximum. They can vary how many they do. Okay. And they, I can't remember what year they made the change, but they they made it up to I 10. I think it was the year The Dark Knight came out. 
Um, yeah, I believe it was the year after Dark Knight. Oh, was yes, 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 it was, correct. It was to try and allow something, the possibility for something that people had actually seen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, I think this year, most of them are pretty seeable movies there's only two that i think that don't really belong there but it's not because they weren't um out of touch or out of reach for me um i i think that there were less like what we'll use the the technical term artsy fartsy films right um in there this year but you know we'll get into what we think should have been in and what shouldn't have been in and and recently i was at the lds film festival and i had to do a panel on what makes a critically acclaimed movie um mm. and and that's really hard to discuss as a critic because we all have a different idea of what's critically acclaimed but i did want to bring it up there are movies that i voted for and patrick maybe this is something you can say as well um for uh you know the critics association this year for best picture or but not necessarily those movies aren't necessarily movies that I would watch all the time. There are movies that I really, really enjoyed this year. And then there are movies that I think are worthy of nomination for an Oscar or an mm -hmm. award. And so there's a difference there, but I do think there was one movie and I'm sure you guys know what it is that I think should have been nominated um, because it was really good. And it made a crap ton of money. Yep. Uh, and it came out on digital download it on Tuesday yeah. this week on the 15th. Uh, so bought it. And, and that'll be interesting to discuss <laughs> because I feel strongly that it should not have been nominated. Ooh, here I we go. I like the film a lot, but I don't think it should have been nominated. Yeah, so we'll get into that. And All then, right. And then we'll Let's... delete Patrick from the show. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's just from the show, Patrick. I've it could be worse as far as the deletion goes. So <laughs> Um, all right, let's start with the nominees for best picture. We're going to start with this one because I'm sure it's one that Tracy wants to talk about because it's his favorite man crush of a director, Guillermo del Toro, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, this one out of the group, this one was probably my favorite. Shocker. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like. This is probably about. his. This is probably his most mature work. Um, what not is happening over immature. there? We're talking about Guillermo del Toro man crushes. There you go. Here's my That's Jaeger, and here's my amphibian man. So, so we have a couple of, yes. of big yes del Toro fans here. So we're I, at least. I half like him. Half. I'm. I don't have a man crush on him, but I like him. <laughs> yeah. I just know everything he touches, Tracy loves. And so I'm sure that this was no exception. All right. Yeah. I thought it was real. I thought it was. Um, so I think this was a week, Patrick, that we had watched at least seven movies in the uh -huh. theater when we watched mm, this film. Yes. And this is a really long film. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, it is, I think, a beautiful film. Like, I, you could turn the sound off and I could just watch it. Because, and I think in my review, I put it, it's just like butter. Like it's just, mm -hmm. you. I just really wanted to watch it. But for me, the movie as a whole was too long and a little bit boring. 
but I do think there were parts of it that were magnificent, but there were like five. There's a there's a lot of other movies that to me were too long and a bit boring. So oh, there was that was 2022. Let's make our movies. Too long. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm gonna get lynched saying this for me. I think Nightmare Alley was too long. I specifically, I have gone through. Um, I've watched the movie. I think I've seen it three times. Mm -hmm. Now I specifically know where I would make the cuts. That being said. Uh, for me, it wasn't it wasn't any more overlong uh, than Spider Man, and it was a lot less overlong than the Batman. Mm. Neither of those movies got nominated, though. So we're talking about the long. But, but we're going to be talking about. Nominated. <laughs> I was going to say long and a little bit boring. Based on Tracy's evaluation of the Batman, that's his kind of movie. Long. <laughs> Wow, you are coming out guns blazing against me today, buddy. Well, it's just because we're starting with this one. I'm sure it'll soften as we go. We'll see. No, the interesting thing for me about Nightmare Alley was that it was we like Val said we did see it in a year, uh, in a week. It felt like a year where uh -huh. we had seen a lot of films, and it was it was challenging for me because I don't want to get into details, but I was going through something. Re oh, to say I had a family member who was missing who later turned out. That's right. My uh, condolences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She had, she was found and it didn't turn out well. But uh, the point is, I was not in a mood to be, I was not in a mood for dark. Mm -hmm. um, and it still managed to pull me in. Uh, I think probably less so than it would have at another time, but I ended up, I, I had to watch the screener a second time before I wrote my review because there was so much to take in and uh, mm -hmm. I saw it a third time. So it, it really grabbed me. It's just, it's a beautiful, just intricately shot movie that the design is absolutely mm -hmm. incredible. Tracy, have you seen the black and white version? I did. Yeah. Actually, like the next day I watched the black and white version because I'd never seen it. I had heard about it, but I hadn't seen it. And it's interesting because it's such a different film. I, I, I would be interested. In, I haven't seen it. I always, I always have mixed feelings about when they do that because, because for me, the point is to shoot in black and white or not shoot in black and white. Um, not i'm not crazy about the idea of taking a film that was specifically shot for color designed for color and then mm -hmm. taking mm -hmm. it out as it, it, it may look great but it's still not it's not the point of take belfast for example was very specifically shot right for black and right white, um and isn't going to look as good in color so for, I haven't gotten around to seeing the black and white version yet, but I will eventually. I'm curious about it. Well, but uh, for me, everything about it technically is magnificent. The acting, yes. uh, honestly, I think Bradley Cooper's performance is better than a couple of the best actor nominees. 
we got. I think he was extraordinary. It's an all-around just terrific film. I also think that it's an interesting example of the way the landscape is changing because you pretty much had to subpoena people to see this in the theater. Yeah. But I, if Nightmare Alley had been a limited-run series on Netflix... HBO Max. Or HBO Max or something, everyone would have been... It would have been the... Sh- the event that everyone was talking about. That's a yeah. good point. That's a that's a really good point. And I think it would have for me. I think it would have been um, a little more powerful that way. I agree with the acting. I mean, I think just how they really created um, some very intricate backstories into these characters and so many characters and we didn't get lost to me was amazing (laughs) um, because each character has its own little dark hole that we're delving through. And I really enjoyed that, but I think, you know, making it um, a limited series to me would have been, I mean, even better uh, in my mind, but again, um, you know, as a film, I know, I'm like Tracy. I know exactly kind of what I would cut out. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but the station scene is one of the scenes that I would cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, there's just a few, like there was a few times that I thought the movie was like ending and I'm like, oh, it's not, mm-hmm. it's still right. going. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I have to say the, um, I really, I thought some, okay, you have so many actresses and actors in this movie that we love. I was like, okay, who's going to be like the one that was just put in there to have three lines? Because sometimes Mm. we have that, you know, but I, but that wasn't the case. So I was very happy that, you know, Willem Dafoe's character, I mean, I love him, but his character to me is amazing. But Mm -hmm. then you, you have, um, Kate Blanchett, who we all knew was going to be great, she's just so cold, and I oh, love it. Like oh, yeah. she's ice, man. Like I absolutely, but I knew she would be amazing. Bradley Cooper definitely surprised me. I'm I like Bradley Cooper, but I've never seen him in a role like this. Yeah, and and the transformation that he makes is 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 really great to see. But I I just him and Willem Dafoe together, like it was was one of my favorites for me, Bradley Cooper, what makes him so exciting as an actor um, and now as a director is he is one of the few people in Hollywood that I really love his work who can still really surprise me consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, And as for Willem Dafoe, I keep wanting to say I would watch Willem Dafoe in anything and then remembering Boondock Saints. And <laughs> I would watch Willem Dafoe in almost anything. For me, for me, it's the lighthouse. You don't like my lobster. So it's definitely Boondock Saints for me. <laughs> All right. So Nightmare Alley, Little Dark. Let's move on to something a little bit more cheery. Let's talk about the end of the world. Don't look up. <laughs> this is one of the ones for me that does not belong in the category. And and when I say that, I I love what the film has to say. Mm -hmm. I love a lot of the satire. Um, I think it's Adam McKay's best film, but that still doesn't make it one of the best films of the year. (laughs) It 
has anybody seen uh, any of Winning Time yet? The his new I haven't yet NBA uh -huh. series. You know, my pet peeve with Adam McKay is when he's making um, the bank one. Uh, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Christian Bale. Big Short. The Big Short. You know, with that one, there's a certain degree of that's a really complex subject and the kind of the approach of we are going to just flat out talk straight to you to get this through to you because let's be honest, nobody understands this. That kind of worked for me for one movie. I didn't think it was a great film, but it was an interesting approach for one movie. He's taken, well, he doesn't in don't look up. He doesn't, break the fourth wall the same way he's taken this I'm going to treat my audience as if they are not only 10 years old but in the remedial class mm -hmm. uh, that's his, yeah. his trademark style and it it's getting on my nerves I did you know I mean don't look up I'll give it some it was huge on Netflix it's a message that needed to get out and if some of the people who need to be hit upside the head with a baseball bat saw it and got something out of it, I mean, figuratively hit upside the head with a baseball bat, <laughs> understand it, yeah. um, then, then it accomplished some good. It's just too hit and miss as mm -hmm. a movie for me to. I, to I don't think, I think because of the tone, because I, so I, I'll be honest. I watched about half of this. I'm like, this is just, I can't take this anymore. Like I get it. I get the point and I don't disagree with the point. I just didn't, I couldn't take the movie anymore. And I think that there's a lot of people who need to be hit upside the baseball bat that are going to feel the same way because of the tone and the condescension that they're feeling. And they're not going to watch it. They're not right. going to get anything out of it. it it's a preach to the choir movie. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, Netflix views, a large portion of them probably did not finish the film. Yeah, I agree. Me, I really, I really enjoyed this movie because I, I, and I talk a lot on the show about, you know, a director or a filmmaker or a, even just a movie in general, having enough balls to like do what it wants to do. Um, and and I, the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, it's not going to, oh, he, okay, he just did. Like, he just did that. For me, <laughs> for me, I enjoyed watching it because it, it said all the things that a lot of people I know want to say out loud, but we feel like we can't. However, mm -hmm. for me, it doesn't mean that it makes it into the best picture. I, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it as a Netflix movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed just sitting there on my couch. Now I did see it in the theater and then I did go home and watch it with mm -hmm. my husband and we watched it. Um, and we laughed, but it is just a couch popcorn laugh and hope someone in the world sees it that maybe didn't think they, you know, that changes one person's mind. But I think he just said, look, I have something to say. I'm going to say it in this funny way. He got all these great actors to get on board with it. There are parts of the movie that I'm just like, okay, like that, that's a little too much, but I liked it because it had enough balls to do what it wanted to do. But again, just because I laughed and I enjoyed myself does not mean that it should be a best picture <laughs> nomination. Um, yeah. And so this is one of mine as well that I think is a miss for me, but yeah. not because I didn't enjoy it. 
just because I don't think it deserves to be best picture. Exactly. I enjoyed it. I, I respect it. I think it was a good film. I don't think it's one of the yeah. best. And we're just talking about Kate Blanchett. Uh, so well used in nightmare alley. I felt like she was a bit misused in this one. I'm like, really, you're going to take one of the greatest actresses in the world and give her ridiculous fake teeth and just cast her as. But I think that was the point. Like during the movie, they even say when she's in bed, she's like telling this guy who's supposed to be this smart guy that she has degrees to some of this biggest colleges and she is super smart, but she is sitting on a couch with fake teeth, a fake tan and supposed to smile her way through like the news. I think that was the point, And I think that's why she wanted to do it is because we don't see things the way that they are. We see things the way that we want to see them. And then once we see them that way, we don't want to see them any other way. So that's how I Fair took enough. it. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that, that point in the motivation. I and felt that there was maybe she no, just wants sorry. to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I certainly respect that. It just you I I automatically expect more uh when she shows up. Not in terms I don't think she could have given a better performance. I expected more for her to do, but for me that's where I describe the movie as being kind of a weird mashup between Doctor Strange Love and it's a mad, 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 mad world. Mm -hmm. um, and the mad, 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 mad world element is you've got all of these characters where it's just like, we just want to fit in this star. Uh, yeah. Like you know, the fact that it's a Leonardo DiCaprio movie, let's bring in DiCaprio 2.0, which is Timothy Chalamet. Mm -hmm. um, it, who I thought was great in the film, you know, all of them give. Uh, give strong performances, but it was overloaded with characters purely for that, the self-indulgence of having as many stars as possible. But I do, again, I really like the film. I just don't think it's best picture quality. So speaking of Timothy Chalamet, let's move on to the next best picture nominee and talk about Dune. Sorry, we're moving through these quick. I apologize. <laughs> oh, we yeah. have to break next speed. Yeah, here, there's, but... there's so many to go through. Um, I don't know if I would say that, it's so hard with this one because it's really only half the story. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a little difficult. I think, I think Denny Villeneuve is probably the only director that could have pulled this off. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very intelligent, very, um, it's very paced. It's very, it's very, uh, it, it, it's, it's sedate in its pacing. Usually when you think of sci-fi, you think of explosions and mm -hmm. action adventure, and this is much more of the politics and stuff like that. But you're taking a novel that's extremely dense that just about everybody in Hollywood has taken a crack at and hasn't been able to, to get it. And he did. So for that, and for some of the visuals, this was a good one for me. I think it's a great film. I, I love the movie for me. It was the the science fiction movie. I not only the science fiction movie, but the space opera movie. Uh -huh. It just was mm -hmm. it had an element of I could get off onto a tangent, but for a little while I thought we were actually headed into having grown up Star Wars movies and then mm -hmm. 
then they really tanked that. Um, and <laughs> this for me was Star Wars for grown-ups. I love yes. the film. I, I do think it's it's incomplete in the same way that Lord of the Rings was, although it doesn't have Fellowship of the Ring ha- wrapped up mm-hmm. itself as a movie a little bit more than this does. For me, I can go either way on Dune. I can I can accept, especially since there's another one coming. It didn't need to be nominated, but I don't object to it being nominated. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. one of the most impressive achievements of the year, certainly in direction, and it's just uh, uh, an exquisitely made film that kept me hooked from beginning to end. Seeing that in IMAX was fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful film for sure. I mean, visually, it's just incredible. And the story is, yeah, it's slower paced than what a lot of people might expect in a sci-fi space mm-hmm. opera type film. But that's not a bad thing either. It tells the story the way that it needs to. Um, I do wish that I would have known that it was only half the story mm-hmm. because they did not publicize that at all. It was like, it ended. I'm like, wait, there's like a whole, like that. They can't, <laughs> what is happening right now? There's but, a lot more to go, right? <laughs> yeah. But then at the same time, I was thinking, how are they going to wrap all of this up? Because we've got like, yeah. and then it's left and there's a lot more story to tell here. So yeah, I blame Warner Brothers for that, for, mm-hmm. for not committing to making it as two films to begin with. Yeah. And for not for being so wishy-washy in the way they marketed it. No, yeah. they didn't want to let you know that yeah. th- well, they was- wanted to test the waters and didn't mm-hmm. tell you that they were doing that. Right. As a, as a director, I think they nailed it because like everybody was going to riot if they don't do a part two. Dude. And like right. it hadn't been greenlit <laughs> at that point. And they were like, oh, we'll just end it right here. And you're like, wait, you can't just. I, I think it's, it's not a nat. I mean, it's a. I don't know where else you stop it in the book. Is, um, but it's not. It's not like Lord of the Rings where there are some natural stopping points along the way. Um, but I, I think it was fine, and I agree. I think it's great that it's nominated. I'll be interested to see how part two goes and see if that's where it picks up an Oscar, similar to Return of the King. Yeah, kind of a treatment. And it'll be fun too, Denny. You said that now that he's done the heavy lifting and the world building, now we can get weird. And the second half of the book does get weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, they're in talks with Florence Pugh to have her join part two, which I think would be fantastic. Yep. Yes, and. Did anybody else? I find a delightful irony in the fact that uh, Elvis Presley, meaning Austin Butler, who is starring as Elvis in the in uh, Baz Luhrmann's film, is is going to be joining it. So we have Elvis yeah. Presley stepping in for Sting. <laughs> I, I think that's funny. That is ironic. Yeah, obviously that character has to be a rock star. I, I wonder if they're going to carry over the cod piece from the uh, Sting version. <laughs> I think Sting kept that cod piece. He probably did. He wears it on Tuesdays. <laughs> I thought I thought the movie was fine. I, I'm similar to you guys. I think that um, I'm not angry that it got nominated. Um, but if it didn't get nominated, I wouldn't have rioted. Um, I think there's a lot of good things about the movie, but it's not one of those movies that I'm like, oh, it's all I it's on. Should I watch it? No, I'm not going to watch it. Like it's just, it was fine for me. I enjoyed watching it in the theater. I saw it three times. 
Um, and that was good enough for me until the second one comes out. And then I'll watch the first one again and roll into the mm -hmm. second. Now, if mm -hmm. it wins best picture, I will probably be a little angry because yeah, I don't think not, I think it deserves to be nominated because of a lot of the things that the movie did again, good direction. Um, the cinematography was great. That was the most beautiful sand I've seen on a big screen in a really long yeah. time. Um, yeah. but I don't think that it should win best picture. I, I think, I think having it nominated is a good thing because I think mm -hmm. it opens the door for filmmakers to say, we can make these kind of more adult themed sci-fi movies and, be successful with them and, and hopefully that'll lead to some other great movies down the road. Um, but I don't think it'll win this year. I think no, part I two, if it's part as good might. as part one, it might as a like, hey, let's recognize both of these movies mm -hmm. together right. kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I would I would be we might all be shocked a week from when this episode airs, but I, <laughs> I hope not would be really, really shocked. All right. Let's move on to drive my car. I don't have a good segue for this one, um, <laughs> like I've done with the others. Um, well, I, I think we we need an hour long prologue to segue into this one. Um, okay. and, and, and that's I want to be clear. I actually I love this film. I do too. Um, I yeah. kind of felt like an an odd man out, and I was honestly surprised how many members of the Utah Film Critics Association just came out and said that they thought it was boring and didn't get into it. And I, I think, really oh, enjoyed it. Me too. And I think it does take, I think it takes them getting used to the fact that mm -hmm. it, it really is an hour long prologue. I mean, it's about like 45 minutes into the movie before the credits hit that opening sequence. That first hour really is a prologue to the rest of the story. Yeah. And while watching it, I wasn't, totally sold on that hour. They're, they're a bit separate, but what that hour brings to the second to the second and third hour. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it brings so much weight and for me this was a character that I felt so strongly about and was so pulled into his story. Uh I find it absolutely mesmerizing. To me, this is an example. This movie is the movie that I will point to to demonstrate. To me, that there's a difference between length and runtime. That you can have a 90-minute movie that is an absolute chore to sit through, and mm -hmm. one like this, and that it doesn't have to be a film. That I mean, you know, people, people don't complain if a superhero movie is is really long if if it's a big budget special effects extravaganza right you know, right it being long but if it's talking in japanese they're definitely going to complain <laughs> that it's long but, yeah. but it didn't lose any of that runtime it, it didn't waste any of that time for me i think it's a great film yeah this to me this was probably the most in touch with humanity, um, the most hopeful kind of film in the in the bunch, um, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I really connected with this one, which surprised me, but I I quite enjoyed this one. Yeah, I think it deserves to be there. I definitely, 
um, when this was on our docket to screen and I'm like, oh my gosh, another three hour movie. And mm -hmm. like, I don't mind subtitles and foreign films, but I was just kind of like, all right, let's, let's try let's and do this. Do this. <laughs> and it was, it just is so charming to me. Mm -hmm. Like you just want to keep learning more and more about what's happening. And I do think that it was so intriguing that like Patrick said, it's not about, you know, the length of the film, because as you get it, it the movie kind of slows you down and it slows him right. down as a person to really understand, you know, what is important in your life. Mm -hmm. And he fights with it. Um, but at the same time, because we're doing all of that, I still don't feel like the movie feels long. Yeah. Right. And I have to just add that as somebody who grew up in the theater and spent too much of my life doing live theater, this is one of the best films I've ever seen for capturing the theater experience without being a movie that's about theater, mm. um, which was really interesting to me. All right. The, the next one is, I, I from everything that I've read, is probably the favorite to win with Belfast. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. And you guys may, I'm not saying you agree that it is the best film, but Belfast seems to be one that's a front runner. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I honestly, I, I, I would, I'd be happy with it. I love this film with a passion. I, I think it is, it at one time was a front runner. From what I hear, it's more like third place right now from what I'm reading, but you probably have better sources than me, Patrick. So uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right, though, Jake, because like uh, before everything came out about halfway through the season, at least it, through October, you know, oh. early November, it was on like Variety's, you know, number mm -hmm. one pick. Oh. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything Variety says about movies, but it was on a few of, you know, the mainstream uh, entities. It was on their number one list for like top ten. Uh, movies to win the Oscar and it was highlighted as number one and so I was very excited to see it for a, a few reasons um, and for a while I was kind of like okay yeah like I really liked it. I could see this winning and then another movie blew me out of the water a hundred percent so I just definitely was was a front runner mm -hmm. uh, and I, I should say I, I think it is a front runner I don't think it is the front runner but for me um, you know I Kenneth Branagh is up there with my my top five people who influenced me most. Um, and film got me interested in Shakespeare uh, mm -hmm. and the experience of watching this movie. I just I was transported. I cried. I was singing along, not with um, not with the Van Morrison stuff. That's <laughs> I that was the one nomination that I was not happy that he got, but that's entirely for personal reasons. I don't like him as a person, uh, but, um, but singing along with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, um, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, all of that. I'm just like, I was so into this film. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge one for me. Honestly, for, for me, there are, there are several movies this year that I would choose that would be very legitimate choices for me that I'd be happy with. And yeah. this is one of them. Yeah. All right. Now we'll move into Tracy's favorite of the lot. Even <laughs> I know we've talked about nightmare alley. 
I know Dune was highly anticipated for Tracy, but this film he has let us know is his favorite of the lot with licorice pizza. Uh, <laughs> this is the movie that if this wins, I will riot. This to me was the most self-indulgent piece of filmmaking I have seen in a long, long time. This was a terrible film for me. I it's not gonna win. It's not going to win. It, I didn't think it was terrible. There's a lot that I I actually feel similarly to this one about this one that I do about Don't Look Up. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that I liked. I admire the film. It is too long. It's too unfocused. Mm -hmm. And I have an issue with the ending. Yeah, I'm okay with, with the character relationship. I'm not yeah. okay with where it ended up. I'm, I'm not okay with the relationship either. I mean... If you were to reverse the roles and you have a 25-year-old guy going after a 15-year-old girl. I, I, I completely agree. I, I know. I, I'm okay with bringing up the existence of them having his attraction to her. Sure. Her rejecting him. I mean, in, and it, exploring it as a friendship. I'm okay that with I'm that okay concept. With. Yes. They had taken it in a more responsible direction. I also um, don't believe that she's 25 in the movie. Like, no, uh -uh. like she 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 lies about her age several times, so she might be like 21, 22, but I don't think she's twenty five. But it still doesn't make it okay. Uh -huh. But I think the fact that we never actually know, yeah. and we have that lie kind of flying around, and it's okay for her to do it. But like Tracy said, if it was you know a roundabout, I also think that this fifteen year old kid is way more like adult than she is he's got his life Very together so. like he is mature he's like so there are like i'm i'm right where patrick is there are things about this movie that i like and that i enjoyed it is way too long um and it isn't focused and it's a coming of age movie that nobody comes of age by the end right. of the movie you're right back where you started absolutely but there yeah, were some I, moments I... of the film that really surprised me and i really liked so alana haim i thought was not She's not a good actress. Um, that didn't work for me. I thought Bradley Cooper, while entertaining, was that whole section really could have been cut. There was just, it, it meandered, it was self-indulgent, and it just did not work for me at all. See, I think Alana Haim, I thought she was good. She was, for me, it was a very believable performance. I thought Paul Thomas Anderson really undercut her when mm -hmm. he came out and said, that this is an actress that it, she's every bit on the level of a Daniel Day Lewis. I'm like, why would you make that comparison? That is not doing her any favors. Yeah. The performances, yeah. the type of performance isn't comparable. The experience level, it, it's. You're setting her up to fail. You're setting her up to fail. Yeah. By saying that. Although it, I did, I did like Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. I think it would be interesting to see what he does in the future. It, it will be interesting to see. Um, and just a side note tidbit that demonstrates problems with the movie. Did you know that Alana Haim actually babysat him when he was younger? Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. And that's that's the problem in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I think that this movie is is the second on my list that shouldn't have been, that should not have been nominated. Oh. I don't think it fits in the category. Um, again, it's not that there weren't things about the movie that 
were great filmmaking, but as a whole, I don't think it should have been nominated. And I much rather would have liked to see um, a different movie in this place. Like, um, you know, I don't know if you guys brought a list of movies that you would like to have seen in the place of the two that we liked. And I will talk about those in a minute, but I just think that this, the only reason that this movie and that don't look up were put in there is because they felt maybe people felt like they were a little more accessible. Um, yeah, but really, um, they missed the mark. Both we don't, we, loves them. we don't have to do a deep dive on this at all. I know we've got a lot still to go to, but it has the most overtly racist scenes that I have seen in a movie in a long time. That to oh, me yes. was there for no reason. There was no reason to have those. Uh, I know what you're talking about. The Chinese really took me out of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, to me, those were. Those were so last decade. Uh -huh. There was the kind of humor that, and it's a topic that I will not go on for hours about, but I could, about how part of the problem that we're into these days is that the first 10 years of the century, we had this mindset that humor, and as a comedy writer myself, uh, and an improv comic, I definitely got into it. We had this strong mindset that the essence of humor was, oh, you can't say that. No, you didn't go there. And yeah. we pushed that so far. Um, and then, and now we're paying for that um, and having to backtrack. And, and those, you know, for me, I laughed at some of that stuff in Licorice Pizza. I won't... I, I think John Michael Higgins is a brilliant comedic actor. I agree. It didn't make me laugh, but in a way that left a bad taste in my mouth and made me feel guilty about doing so. And I ultimately felt like, why is it there? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just felt so unnecessary and just out of the blue, it completely took me out of the movie. I, I had to pause it. I was watching it streaming. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so we'll move from Tracy's favorite to another of the front runners with the power of the dog. I believe it's between that this one is one of the two, yeah, most likely to win. And I think it's a it's a great film. Uh, it's it's an example of a movie that's a disconnect between audiences and critics. This is not a movie that audiences are going to hugely get into, but it is mm -hmm. such a captivating, mm -hmm. artfully done movie um, that is just, it blew me away and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, I carry my little uh, uh, anthrax keychain that Netflix sent me with me everywhere I go. I, mm -hmm. I just think it's a brilliant film. And quite frankly, I want to see this or either the film or Jane Campion. And I think Jane Campion will win. But Sam Elliott has his head so far up his ass that his mustache must be tickling his throat. Um, and I want to see, I want to see it when something big just 
Out of wow. spite. For that might be one of the most sublime quotes we've ever had on this show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I like oh. him. I have a lot of admiration for him as an actor. I, I like <laughs> his other stuff, his earlier stuff, but not yeah. but not this. I mean, just just Please tell us how you really feel. Like, don't hold, <laughs> yeah, back, don't hold back at all, Patrick. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is my this is my pick for best picture. We've I brought this movie up on the show several mm-hmm. times. The first time I saw this movie in the theater, I didn't know that I liked it. I was actually a little bit angry at the movie. And like I, I've said before, we walk outside the theater and the studio reps are looking at you to say something <laughs> amazing about the film or whatever. And I'm just standing there like, I'm going to need a minute. And it took me about three days. I mean, I did say something, yeah. but it took me about three days to really digest the film. And I'm so glad that I got to watch it again before I wrote my review. And then as soon as it was, you know, streaming, I watched it again and again um, because it's one of those movies that you watch it and the more you watch it, the better it gets, um, for me. And because yeah. there's so much subtlety, uh, to take in that it's brilliant. And I don't know if that's my microphone clicking. Cause I feel yeah, like I can, every time I, I talk, it. like it clicks, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I can try muting, but people. this, this is best picture. It's it's an absolutely, I. It's a very worthy candidate. Uh, I think it is probably the right choice. It's not my. It's not my personal choice. It's probably my second. It's one of my top three choices. Um, I would be very happy if it won. Yeah. All right. West Side Story. Steven, this is your friend Steven has a, a <laughs> film nominated this year, Val. Um, Good friend which is, which is not new for him. He's had a few films nominated <laughs> in his life. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on West Side Story? For, uh, let me just... I didn't know who you were saying your friend Steven to. Yeah, you guys yeah. don't understand that he has like a whole backstory about Steven oh. Spielberg and George Lucas. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, so it, sorry, it's a running joke on our joke on our show <laughs> that Val is best friends with Steven Spielberg. So, but but I'd love to hear your story about Steven and George Lucas. Oh, I, I've never never met either of them, but I mean the other reason I'm here today. When I was seven years old, I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater, my twin brother and I. And from that moment, we knew we wanted to be archaeologists. We mm-hmm. found out that archaeologists don't kill Nazis. And then we decided we wanted to be filmmakers. Um, so, I mean, every – my entire life, we have, we have a statue of Steven Spielberg upstairs. We have uh, – yeah. I mean, my brother is even more um, – off the deep end than I am in the fact that he owns multiple copies of 1941 and that one I'm like, you're taking it too far with that. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we, that we own Raiders of the Lost Ark in every existing format, that mm-hmm. one is great. 1941, I don't feel the need to own multiple copies of it, but but he's really, <laughs> really off the deep end when it comes to the collecting. But yeah, Spielberg is a god. And the thing about this film is that he managed 
to still surprise mm-hmm. that, yeah. that this late in his career he could I mean as a gigantic Spielberg nut I have to admit that I spent like a year thinking why is he I know he's always wanted to make a musical but is he really I feel like this one is an an indulgence piece that I just wanted to move on to the next one. And then it turned out to be something so amazing. And honestly, from there, I'm going to try and be quiet because I feel like I'm doing way too much of the talking. You're the guest, man. Yeah. We, we wanted to hear from you today. So oh. we're, we're glad. I, I appreciate that. But I also feel like you directed this question and Val and I jumped in and took the whole thing. <laughs> it was, it was to the group. So we're, we're good. I mean, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I, I went to film school where I went to film school because of two specific people and him being one of them, even though he didn't actually attend the film part of that school. Um, but like I've, he's the reason I went to film school, just watching his movies. And I love West side story. Um, and so when I saw that they were remaking it, I was just like, all right, why are you remaking this? And then they put his name on it. And I was like, all right, well, like he, you know, except for one movie that will remain unnamed. Um, and we don't talk about that one. We don't talk about that movie. <laughs> we just call it He's... Bruno because we don't talk about it. <laughs> other than... Which, that's another one that we really differ on. I, I like know. A lot of people like this this movie that we're not talking about. But, like, I... For me, I feel like for every movie that Steven Spielberg has made, he's had a reason for making it. And I feel like mm-hmm. that movie we don't talk about, he just made it and he, he, he phoned it in. It didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't suck if you didn't read the book, but I just felt like he phoned it in. There was no, nothing truly sucked. special <laughs> about for me, it. For me, yeah, we won't. Yeah, we'll, it, we'll For me, we'll it's the book. I like to pretend that the book didn't exist. I, oh, I mean, well. Book, what? <laughs> Everything um, that Tracy said about licorice pizza was about the book. <laughs> wow. All right. So, um, but yeah, so when he, they put his name on it, I was like, okay, well, then he must have a reason to want to make this film. And when I watched it, I was just so happy. If this movie won over Power of the Dog, I would also be okay with it. But I really do think that Power of the Dog is um something that i haven't seen and Mm. and i have seen this movie not i have seen not in this way i do think that steven spielberg did a fantastic job for like what him and his cinematographer did for the Mm -hmm. choreography of this film i keep talking Mm -hmm. about over and over (laughs) but also the coloring of the film but i also think what he did in changing some of the scenes and some of the 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 tone of yes. of the story was really fantastic for me. He changed it enough for me in a good way that I felt like it was uh-huh. important to remake the movie, so it was justified. So, he made Tony an interesting character. Yes. Yeah, that's he did. Yes. He did a great job with Tony. And so, I did not grow up watching West Side Story. I had seen it growing up, and it was one that I think because of the age that I was. My friends and I would kind of make fun of. I think we had to watch it in school one time yeah. because we were talking about Shakespeare, and they're like, "Oh, this is Romeo and Juliet for the modern day," and we're <laughs> like, "This is not the modern day for us. <laughs> give us, give us Leonardo DiCaprio. That's Romeo and Juliet for the modern day." Just <laughs> but, but I we would make fun of the gangs, right? Because they were dancing and whatever, and the snaps and everything else. This film changes that perspective for me a hundred percent like the to me 
it was grittier. It was harder hitting. Um, it was, I mean, it was just so well done. Um, I walked out of it. Like I just watched a really good movie that mm-hmm. I have no desire to go back and watch anytime soon because it was just so heavy, which is okay. Well, and I do think to give credit to the original film, the time that that movie was made, it broke so many barriers oh, sure. and it yeah. probably seemed heavy hitting to them at that time. Um, for me, I don't know that it felt super heavy leaving it um, this time around, but I, d- I felt like I felt so content with mm-hmm. everything that was done in the movie. I loved the messaging. I loved the changes. I loved the music. I loved the dancing. I loved the camera angles were like my favorite. I could just sit and watch the camera mm-hmm. angles all day long. Um, but for me, I, I actually felt a heavy lifting because I was like, thank you mm-hmm. for actually bringing up like the rape culture mm-hmm. in, and mm-hmm. I know that that is like yes. weird that it didn't feel heavy for me as a woman. But for me, I was just like, Thank you for like putting that out there. But then for also for um, Anita to be like, uh, or Rita (laughs) to be, to say, to say the things that she said in that moment to those boys, because those boys weren't bad boys, right? Yet they were living in a culture that was fed to them that they thought was okay. And she said, you don't do this. This is not okay. And, you know, they felt the shame and they left and it was a learning moment, you know, and it wasn't okay, but it was so fantastic that it was brought up because it was in the movies that came out when this original movie came out, that was clearly okay, right? It was clearly okay. And now some people still think it's okay in specific situations. Right. But that scene for me was like especially as a a female and a female that sits in a room with a lot of men, a lot of times, and just feels like, like I have no way out unless I just smile my way through this. That scene was amazing to me. Amazing. And I just felt the heavy actually lift off of me as like, like, thank you. Yeah. I think he's the first director being nominated in five decades for best director. So props to him. Yeah. Yeah. All five, the past, Five decades. He's incredible. Yeah, he's he's done some things that are pretty all right. <laughs> what I don't like though is that people are like, of course he's gonna get nominated. Like it's just well, he makes good movies. He doesn't get nominated for He doesn't get nominated for all of his movies, yeah. but yeah, he should like, get nominated for this one. Yeah. yeah. This so is, like this no, is a it's not a throwaway. It's yeah. not a throwaway. Like, no. yeah, don't be jealous that he's just really good and works really hard at what he does. Like, that's... <laughs> he gets employee of the month more than you do because you show up late to work. Does uh-huh. not mean that this person's a bad person. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of kings, because he's obviously one of the kings of cinema, let's move into King Richard, who is not one of the kings of cinema. But anyway, um, Will Smith. <laughs> he's the fresh prince of filmmaking. I'm actually listening to his book right now, and I have to say if you have not read or listened to his book, Will, that you should, mm-hmm. because uh, I've learned a lot, and I'm I'm just really excited to be listening to it. So, cool. I'm You know, I, I really... For me, I love the fact that this was a Will Smith movie that I could walk out of without feeling like I wanted to set myself on fire, which okay. is... Uh, something that hasn't happened in quite a while. 
Um, seems, seems like a low bar, but that's it, 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 it is a low bar, but um, but but when Suicide Squad, yeah, was well, I mean, is that really West. his fault? Uh, well, <laughs> okay, but I mean, it's not just Suicide Squad. There's also no, 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 Wild no, no, Wild no, West. Suicide Squad is actually one of his better films in like yeah. eight years or so, um, and I mean. Suicide Squad was better than Bright. Um, <laughs> I could I could start a religion devoted to hating Seven Pounds. That's all right. But the point. That being said, he is. I always root for him um, to succeed as an actor because he. I respect the fact that he's a guy who started his career not being able to act and knew that and tried to got tried to get better and succeeded mm -hmm. became a real actor is great um he's very good at what he does the only honestly the only reason i would like to see him win best actor for this is the dicaprio effect meaning that he Okay, you finally got your Oscar. Now just concentrate on making good movies. Um, but I don't think it's an unworthy performance. But I don't think it's the undisputed winner. And for me, it's one of the films that doesn't belong in the category. Mm -hmm. It's a good film. It's not a great film. And most of all, um, it's just always going to bug me a little bit that we took. You've got Venus and Serena Williams. Yes. These iconic black women who broke so many barriers and their movie is about a man. Yeah. Her movie's I, coming. I don't think you guys understand. A lot of people are saying that. They they said yes to this movie. Like they're 100% behind this movie and they have both written memoirs and both of them are being turned into films. So I don't think we should downplay the fact that it's okay to like praise a parent for like that. We're not saying that and in the movie, they were very specific to say these girls did their thing. Yes, they followed their dad, but they were their own women. And I don't think it, it knocks them down latch at all by making a movie about their dad whose whole life was to make these girls what they are. I, I, I get your point and I don't disagree. I would have liked to have seen them. I would have liked to at least feel, felt like they were characters to me. Mm -hmm. they, they were lit. They were glorified props in the movie. Um, like, uh, especially Serena had one really good scene and she didn't, she really didn't do any talking in it. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying that I, one of the things that I like about the film is that the parents perspective mm -hmm. on sports is something that we haven't seen before and on that level. I, I liked it as a new addition to the sports movie genre um it just and you know if their movies get made um that may change that a little bit i i don't think it's wrong to do that it just felt awkward to me to be doing it with 
it was just a, a piece of timing in the way that it was made that felt awkward to me. Obviously, they were okay with it, um, and there is a level of if they're okay with it, we should be too on some level, but it still bothers me. Well, speaking, uh, going from one underrepresented uh, population to another, let's talk about the final film nominated with Coda. Mm. This one, this one was probably my the one that that hit me the most in the in the gut. Um, mm-hmm. Incredible performances across the board. Um, I, I I was really surprised with how much I took to this film. And Jake, I know you've got a lot to say on this one. Uh, and I, all I, this is my choice. This movie yeah. is uh, incredibly personal to me. It's like when I look back on how I got through the pandemic, uh, the number one thing I'm gonna, going to point to is Coda. Uh, watching this on the first night of the Sundance Film Festival and just my jaw hitting the floor on how great this is. And I, I saw it twice at Sundance. I saw it, and then I watched it a third time to prep for, I got the opportunity to interview Sean Hedder and um, the the entire Rossi family and just quick. So I saw this movie and when it got the sequence um, where Ruby is talking to her father and he asked her about the song. I can't even talk about that scene without tearing up. And I just, I watched that and thought, I, this guy just in one scene jumped up into the number one actor that I have to meet and just tell him how great he is. And less than six months later, I was talking to him through Zoom um, and really, I'll relay this quickly because again, I feel like I'm monopolizing too much time, but um, so it was this incredible moment of getting to talk to this guy who I just had built up such an admiration and love for. And then my, my two and a half year old nephew came into the room and climbed up on the chair just as the conversation was ending. And he, he still is a little behind on talking, but wasn't doing any talking then. But he got up on the chair. He saw Troy Kotzer, and Troy waved to him, and Peter waved back. And uh, the, the interpreter said hi. Peter said hi. Peter is my, my nephew. And then Troy started signing to him, and Peter started signing back exact everything that that Troy was doing and it was just it was just a magical just life-changing I mean I just like cried for an hour after that it was just such a beautiful moment and this movie just I mean if you look on my wall Mm. this movie this is the emotional choice for me it just This movie meant so much to me emotionally. Power of the Dog may be the the greater piece of art, um, so I will not be unhappy if it wins at all. But in terms of a movie that I connected with emotionally, it's this one, Bardon. And I'll shut up now. So, yeah, this is this is probably the favorite in our house to win. 
Um, it is such a huge, huge thing. And I don't think we can totally understand um, how crucial the success of this film is. Um, no, you talk about Troy Kotzer, who's an amazing actor and has been an amazing actor for a really long time. But now we're finally talking about him because he's playing a character in a movie that's that's getting a lot of recognition. I think, um, you know, before this, when we talked about actors who were deaf, we talked about Marley Matlin, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with good reason. She's an incredible actress, but there are so many other ta- talented performers. Um, when my son was a lot younger than he is now, he wanted to get into acting and he's done drama at school and things like that. But we always, you know, it was always kind of that thing of like, where do you go as a deaf individual who wants to act? You know, there are these indie films and things like that to have something like this were on the big screen and now it's getting so much recognition. He was just in, my son participated in a national drama festival for deaf students from deaf schools all across the country. And um, Daniel Durant, who's one of the actors in this film, was participating in that. He unfortunately wasn't there in person, but he was able to, via, um, you know, virtual means, send a message to him and things like that. And to see, like, there's us on the screen, like movies like this and A Quiet Place and things like that that are starting. We're seeing more and more of them. It's just huge. And if this wins Best Picture, like that just opens up so many opportunities for so many talented performers and so many stories to be told that we need more of um, in, in the mainstream culture. And so, yeah, we are, you know, I've got three kids who are deaf and we are 100% wanting Coda to <laughs> <if we could laughs> sweep everything. We would be happy with that. But, but this was just such a, a genuine representation of, of deaf culture in regards to hearing culture. You know, I, I'm not a Coda and my kids aren't Codas. We're like the opposite of that, right? We're, yeah. we're parents of deaf kids and that doesn't make a very well, <laughs> easily to pronounce. Podic. Po- podic. Um, but, <laughs> um, but th- those struggles are real, like going to a doctor's office and when they don't have an interpreter and we have to pinch mm. hit and, and interpret like that's a struggle finding ways to to make things accessible and and like all of that's depicted so well in this film um yeah it's it's a great film i would yeah, love to see it win i hope it yeah. wins if I was it glad won overpower of the dog i would i would be, I would be so a, happy yeah, yeah so happy and it, and it did win at the sag awards um for best ensemble which was their yes. big award so we'll see yeah i definitely think there were you know, I watched this movie three times. I didn't get to see it at Sundance, so I'd been hearing about it and hearing about it. And then I finally got to see it a few times and do my reviews on it. And it's one of those movies that, like, I think about the scenes, just like Patrick said, and I'm already crying about, mm. you know, some of the scenes. It's just so powerful in, especially just as a parent, um, because you have those moments with your kids or you want to have, you know, moments with your kids. And we don't always know what our kids needs and wants are, you know what I mean? And then when we, the, the, when they're sitting there at her recital, you know, and they're sitting there and they don't really know what's going on. And the dad looks around and he's seeing all the faces like (laughs) it makes me cry every time, but like, it's just so powerful because it, it hits you in a way that I'm, I am not deaf. I have, I don't have that issue, but I, I am a parent you know, I have that issue. (laughs) Like I, I am a parent and, and 
realizing that sometimes we don't listen to our kids no matter what. Like they could be telling us something over and over and over and we just don't, sometimes we don't see them. Sometimes we don't hear them. And in that moment, he saw her, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. he saw everything she wanted him to see about her um, in the eyes of other people. And to me, that was such a powerful moment um, that I just, the way that they, they made us as an audience really feel like we were part of what was going on is very powerful filmmaking because sometimes I'm at a movie and I'm just watching it and I'm like, that was real. It was a really good film to watch, but I don't feel like I am in the movie or I'm a part of Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing. And I think Coda was one of those that you actually feel like you're a part of what's going on and you feel everything they're feeling. Um, I also think the comedic parts of this film are brilliant so like you just don't see it um comedy is very hard and i know we always see dramas as best picture but there was so much um comedic just timing in this movie that was so great it's amazing and that was one thing that uh the marley matlin felt really strongly about was the comedy that she was like uh when I did speak with them, she was actually getting a little annoyed that everybody was dwelling so much on the dramatic aspect like without talking about the comedy. So it, it, the comedy was actually a big part of why I did this. Um, and it's, but I agree. I think th- what sets this movie apart is that every, I saw all of these other films I experienced Coda and I was inside the film um, mm-hmm. in a way that that I can't even describe. And it just that that's why it just for me is is the choice. One thing that I hope is if Coda wins, which would be a huge deal, is that I hope that like Jake, you said, you know, it opens doors for other movies to be greenlit and made. But what I hope it doesn't happen and it has happened before at big award shows is that a movie like this wins and it was just okay we checked it off yeah we've made you know we've we've sent this through you know and now we we can step away from it for a while you know like i hope that that's not what happens because i've seen that happen before Mm -hmm. to um films and types of films and filmmakers and genres of film where they just used it as a oh look we're being inclusive and then well if you need it, if anyone doubts that, look at the fact that we've only had one other deaf actor nominated for an Oscar. Yep. And it was the wife, the actress who plays the wife of this guy. And 20 years later. Yeah, exactly. We get another nominee and it's not even far removed enough that it's, they went to the same person and brought her in and she found the other actors. That's how, mm-hmm. how quickly we say, okay, we've dealt with this and then move on. Yeah. And I right. want to see, I was talking, telling uh, Val and Jake about a movie before the movie, before we started recording uh, that I just saw a film from Finland called the blind man who did not want to see Titanic that sorry, an actor, uh, Petri Pokolainen, uh, who is blind and paralyzed from the waist down because of MS. 
and it is a beautiful, mesmerizing, hilarious, perfect film that I really want to see. It's a prime example of the kind of movie that I would hope Coda opens doors for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to have an even harder time because it's a, a foreign language film, but yeah, that one's that's what I want to see is is movies like that. We want to see more, not uh, okay. We got you off our backs. We were inclusive. Now let's enough about the deaf people. No. Well, and and I think I think it's important to. Um, I hope I hope that this isn't just a check the box situation, and there's mm-hmm. always that risk that it will be. But um, I hope to what this really highlights is you know if you've got a character who's going to be deaf or you've got a character who's going to be blind, there are talented performers who are deaf or blind. That is who should be hired for those roles and, uh-huh. and do those roles. Um, and so hopefully that, I don't know. I hope it opens doors. I, I would love to see it when it was, I felt all the emotions watching this. Um, I loved, loved how the director did such a great job making sure that when the performers who were deaf were signing and things like that to each other that you saw them sign happened so much in shows where, you know, yeah, we've got sign language in it. And then they like cut away halfway through the sentence of whatever they're saying or signing. And you're like, Casey, now we can't see it anymore. So we've got to go back to, and this, they didn't do that in this film. It really let them shine. And um, it was, it was just really well done. And that's where uh, I, so I understand that the the difficulty we get into with ten best picture nominees is that you have five directors who are really shafted, and mm-hmm. Sean Hader is the visionary who made. I mean, she took a movie that started out as a French film uh, that where hearing actors played the parents. And it was done in a much less respectful way all around. Uh, the movie was seen as kind of making them the butt of the joke. And she turned it into this incredibly meaningful film. Uh, she had the vision to say, in order to get the, the sign language captured perfectly, we've got to shoot the whole movie with two cameras at all times. So we're getting that coverage of the sign language because she wanted to have the spontaneity. And no, I mean, when you think about how hard it is to get dialogue delivered exactly the same way every time in any movie, doing that in sign language, uh, when she's giving them freedom to do, to bring their own spin to it. Uh, She's so deserving of uh, a nomination for this. And I I won't say that she was robbed because there are only five nominees. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's it's fair to say that anyone is robbed per se, but I do think that she really deserves some recognition for this film. All right. Real quick, before we leave Best Picture territory, we've got two things that we need to do. Um, we're going to go around real quick. Everybody say your pick for best picture. And then if there was a film or films that you feel like should have been nominated um, and then we'll 
we'll go from there. So Tracy, your pick, and if there was something you felt like should have been nominated that wasn't. Uh, on an emotional level, um, I'm hoping Coda wins. Um, on a technical level, um, I would I lean towards Nightmare Alley. Um, I'd be happy with either one of those. Um, there's a movie that I absolutely loved that I felt definitely should have gotten more um, recognition, and that's Tick, Tick, Boom. But we've talked about that in the past. All right, Patrick, what about you? Uh First two parts, except Coda is the emotional pick, technical pick. Um, West Side Story is the secondary emotional and technical pick. Uh, but if I'm going straight technical, it's a hard year for me uh, mm -hmm. because I, like it hurts me physically to root against Steven Spielberg, Guillermo del Guillermo del Toro or Kenneth Branagh, they all mean that much to me. I do feel that um, 20 years ago, Jane uh, Campion had to go up against Schindler's List, and she was the also ran against Schindler's List, so I think there's something poetic about uh, that, and it's an, it's an extraordinary film. So I'm going to say emotional pick, Coda, artistic uh not artistic technical pick power of the dog with strong qualifiers that it's got west side story and nightmare alley nipping at its heels and and honestly uh as a technical and filmmaking achievement dune uh for me um in terms of a film that wasn't nominated um the two <sighs> The two that I really wanted to see in the category that didn't make it would be Pig. Yeah. Great film. And even more so, I wanted to see that in Best Actor and Flea, which I I like getting to be smug about the fact that I was one of the that I saw Flea long before anybody else was talking about it because ever, last year was the first time I've ever like done a deep dive into Sundance. Because it was, it was my first year covering it, and it was at home, so I just saw and reviewed seventeen films, and that was one of the first I saw, and I was just blown away by it. Mel, um, I'm gonna go. I mean, you guys know I I would be happy if either Coda or Power of the Dog won. I think both of those films um, hold and stand on their own, and so I'm happy with either of those films. Um, they both made me feel all the feels, <laughs> um, from one extreme to the other. Um, and then the two movies that I think should have been nominated. Well, I just wish the harder they fall would have been recognized yes. um, in, in so many categories, but I feel like, you know, we had, they had a chance and I can see them doing, and this isn't me putting down the Academy, but they keep saying we need to be inclusive. We need to include, um, you know, uh, black films, black directors, black actors. And they had a few times this year to, to pick movies that were actually really, really good movies. And the harder they fall hit so many points of good that could have been at least nominated in any category, but definitely I would have liked to see in, um, in best picture. Uh, so that one. And then of course I'm going to put Spider-Man up there because I do think if, if the Academy is trying to be, 
trying to pull themselves out of a hole that they're in of people not watching the show for one and feeling like they're not in touch with what's going on in the world. You have a movie that's in theaters right now that is breaking all the box office records that is actually very well made. There, it, there are issues with the movie, but I think none of the movies that we've brought up today, there couldn't have been had something that could have been fixed with them. Um, but for me, you have an opportunity here to pick a movie that is well-made and that is relevant to so many generations to bring people back to liking the Academy and watching the Academy Awards, it should have been nominated. Uh, I'll say I'm going to track, but it's not so much that I don't think that it should have been nominated um, because I mean, I, I love the movie. It, it wasn't in my top 10, but I, I absolutely loved it. For me, it's not an issue of shortcomings. It's more an issue of, like, you want to talk about Dune being only a partial movie. For me, anything in the MCU is like putting in, nominating one piece of a Puzzle. huge wall. So I have a hard time with an best picture, but, but still, I could have dealt with it. I guess, so... My kind of contrarian view on this whole thing with the Academy is I agree that the Academy needs to be more in touch. I also have a pet peeve with people who whine. <laughs> and already using the, I shouldn't have used the term whine. That's too attacking or negative. But I also feel that moviegoers need, will, complain endlessly well the academy's out of touch with us and they don't ever pick the kind of movies that we like but i tend to hear that from people who will not open up their mm -hmm. view of what movies are to um to a wider range of no if you will only see comic book movies that's as big a problem to me as the Academy saying we won't nominate comic book movies. Well, I saw um, 500 plus movies last year and I still think that Spider-Man should have been nominated. So like, I think that there's still, I think that what we're doing, and this is a whole nother show that I would love to talk about is that yeah. I, for one think that we should um, challenge moviegoers and they sh we shouldn't be making the same movies over and over and over and over and over again. I get it. We should challenge moviegoers to be better movie watchers. Yep. But at the same time, when we have a very good, popular movie, and we've seen this happen over and over, let's throw Spider-Man out of it. But when we see a box office hit that is well-made and it doesn't get nominated because it's a box office hit and it doesn't hit a category of artistic or technical in whatever ways and means that this gets hit, like... I think that you've got it on both sides. You've got negative people on the Academy artsy movie lover side, and you have people on the outside, which feel like the, you know, I just, we've got it. We've got to bring it in the middle. And the only way we can do that is have a movie like flea and have a movie like Spider-Man in the same category to say, this is the vast area of what a good movie is. <laughs> yeah. See all these movies, they all fit in that category and we're recognizing them, whether it wins or not great, but we should recognize that these movies are good. I, I completely agree with you there. And um, I, the funny thing to me is I think that ultimately um, 
the larger issue that has to be faced uh, just as a reality of a cold hard fact is even if some somebody as obsessed with movies as I am, I just don't care anymore about spending three hours of my evening watching people get dressed up to give awards to each other. And I think that I think that the Oscars has cycled out of being interesting to people in the in the old days when the Oscars were a product of a time when movies didn't come into your home. You didn't have the glitz and glamour of all of that. And in the age when half the movies are premiering uh, at home, I just, I don't think that the Oscars as a show mm -hmm. uh, can survive relevance much yeah. longer. I think that uh, as an awards as giving awards that they should go on. But as a show, I don't think they're savable personally. I think that they. So, so we've gone from one extreme at the beginning of the episode, talking about, we need all of the nominees to be on the show to now saying, let's just get rid of the show. Patrick, you're all over the place. I, I, I am a, a contradiction on there because I, because part of me does feel for them that they are, they're just trying to make the show more marketable. I, I think they're doing it the wrong way, but I, I, I think in the end it is, it's a catch 22 because ultimately I grew up watching these awards and I will still watch it. But every year I feel like, why, why did I really care to watch that? And I just feel like in the end that, that that's the way it's going to be. And maybe it needs to be, something that's aimed more at just the, in terms of the show, yep. it needs to be named, just aimed more at the industry rather than the public. I'm not, I do think that the public needs to be more engaged and included in the type of films that are celebrated. And I, Val, I couldn't agree with you more about the harder they fall. I was that was actually going to be the one that I mentioned, and I forgot. For me, that was uh, there are a couple of films that I specifically would have uh, that are nominated that I specifically would have put harder they fall in above that and across the board. It some major nominations. So, like any good Oscar acceptance speech, we have run long on this episode. <laughs> I can hear them playing the get off the stage music as we speak. And but I will never to... be invited back. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We've no. invited you we, to a long we, episode. We and also, like the along. Oscars, we have done this to ourselves by having <laughs> yeah. so many nominees in the category and things like that. So, um, we do need to talk about Best Animated Feature. Just briefly, we're not going to go into yeah. each one like we did with the Best Picture. Yeah. And that's fine. But but mainly we want to talk about Flea. And here's the question I'm going to pose, and, and I'm going to let everybody answer it. Do you think, I mean, Flea is very different as far as the other, you look at the other nominees, you've got the Mitchells versus the Machines, you've got Encanto, you've got Luca, um, and uh, Raya. Raya and the Last Dragon. So, and really everything that I'm seeing and, and Patrick, again, you have better sources, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. Everything that I'm saying is seeing is that it's a three horse race between Encanto, the Mitchells versus the machines and flea. Is uh, that fair? No, I, I, I would agree that that's the case. 
I just have to say, for me personally, uh, Ryan and the Last Dragon is a really unsung jam. I love that film. It's one it's of my great favorite movie. Disney films in a long time. Honestly, I prefer it to Encanto, but I've only seen Encanto once, and I've seen Raya multiple times. Yeah, so I can't. Um, I, I live. I live with uh, three girls, two of which are between the ages of nine and ten, and so we have seen it five hundred and forty-seven thousand times in our house. So, um, so you're balancing out. Yeah, we're balancing out. So um, here's my question: Flea is also, I believe, nominated for best documentary. Is that and foreign language film? And yes. foreign language film. And I think it's going to win best something. But do you guys think that it is going to beat out Encanto and Mitchell's versus the Machines and win best animated feature? Or do you think they're just going to give the nod more one of those other two categories or maybe both those categories because it is just so different as far as animated features go? Honestly, and I really don't want to be right about this, but this is my prediction. I believe that one of the big, uh, maybe the big upset of the evening is going to be that being nominated in all three categories, that there's a feeling of given for this, not that, and it walks away without winning. Any yeah. Of them. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Like yeah. the nomination's its own award, basically. Uh. Yeah. yeah, I I had a really hard time because I really enjoyed Flea, and I thought it was a very um, interesting way to bring such a um, deep story um, to storytelling. I think that if it wouldn't have been an animated film, it would have been really really hard to watch because it's just so emotional and so many things going on. So I I really praise them for for um, bringing a story like this into the animated world. And I think it's just one of those things that we're, it's going to be hard to change because when I do look at the animated feature, I look at something that is more along the lines of Encanto or there were so many animated shorts at Sundance this year that I just enjoyed so much. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I loved Luca, you know, um, I, lo I loved all of the animated movies in this category. Um, I think that if it wins in the animated category, it's going to open at least I think it will open the doors to have more animated um, films in the drama mm -hmm. sort of animation to be or documentary drama to fit in that category. And it won't always be, is it going to be Disney Pixar or DreamWorks that wins one of these categories? Because that's pretty much when it has been for the last however many years. That doesn't put down the fact that I think Encanto was a very, very good animated movie with a story that needed to be told that I think it's overlooked by the fact that the music is so much fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it talks about immigrants and it talks about mm -hmm. a mother that has to flee with her children to a place where she feels mm -hmm. safe. Like there is a lot of things that go on in this movie that we just don't want to talk about <laughs> because yeah. we don't want to talk about Bruno. But um yeah. For me, I, I hope Encanto wins. That doesn't put down that I don't think Flea was a good idea. If Flea wins, I'm not going to be angry about it. But I do hope that um, if Flea wins in this category, it wins in all three categories and makes history. Because it's a big deal that a movie that has this story, that is this genre, that is a foreign film, had this much... Um, sway on so yeah. many people yeah. because it is a very, very 
well-told story that needs to be heard. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's sad because the animation genre has so much depth and breadth to it. Um, when you really get in and, and study it, there's so much unique stuff and, and stuff that you can do that you can't do anywhere else in cinema. Um, I like the fact that I, I'm a Disney guy and I love Pixar, mm -hmm. but I like the fact that we can help broaden what animation is and can be. Yeah, a absolutely. And just the very last thing is I'm, I'm going to say is that both just taking Justin Canto and um, uh, Lee, those are both films that would be totally legitimate best picture nominees. Yeah. And in general, I really want to see more openness to the idea that why do we have to Pitch put animation in such a narrow niche and say it's a different thing Mm -hmm. And some of the best movies ever made are animated films. Yeah. And Mitchell yeah. versus the machine. I want to throw that out there again. Great story. Film. It yep. opened a lot of doors as well. So, again, it's a very hard category. I would be happy if anybody in this category won. So I think, I think what's interesting is in the history of this particular award, there's only been one film that has beaten out both a Pixar film and a Disney film the same year that nominated in the same year that a Pixar film and a Disney film were also nominated in that category. Other, other studios have won, but it was either over a Disney or over a Pixar, but not over both. And the only film that's beaten out both was Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And there's something in common with Mitchell's versus the machine. And that's uh -huh. Lord and Miller being involved yeah. in both of those. And so um, it is a dark horse. I, I would love to see it win because I do think it's a little bit more original than what we've seen in Encanto. Not that I didn't like Encanto. Um, but I, I think Flea, I would, I want Flea to win something. Um, I don't know that it will win here. I think Encanto will, will probably win. Um, which is fine. I liked, I liked it. It was a fine film, but it'll be interesting. But I hope that somewhere they recognize Flea because I know that I, I didn't maybe enjoy it as much as other people, but I also recognize that what it is is a very good film and it's very well done. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens on March 27th. That's when the Oscars air. Uh, you can watch all of it, the whole show if you want, or you can take, I'm going to give you a life hack here for the folks at home. This is what I do. I read the results the next day and then I go back and watch clips for the films that I care about and the <laughs> awards that I care about. Exactly. In the YouTube age. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You don't even have to, you don't even have to wait till the next day, Jake, just open up your Twitter or Facebook feed and you'll, well, you'll find out who won. usually it's the next day because they do the, the best picture at the very end. And I'm true. usually asleep by that point. So mm -hmm. uh, that's not true. <laughs> but I wish it was true. Anyway, March 27th, it, I believe it's on ABC. Is that what I am I yeah. remembering right? Yeah. So uh, anyway, we appreciate you watching. Patrick, thanks so much for being on the show. I uh, hear the music oh, yeah. just real quick. I want to thank my parents for helping me get to this point in my career. Uh, and I would be ungrateful if I didn't mention all the people behind the scenes who helped me get here. Uh, kids, I love you. Go to bed. Uh, I will see you at home and for everyone else thanks so much for watching we won't see you at the movies can i make a quick
This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production. Patrick, in an attempt to be funny, I cut you off. So I'm being a stolen <laughs> What did you want to say? I was just attempting to be funny. I was just going to make the requisite uh, political advancement. I can't believe I brought us back for that. So we're going to go ahead and end. Thanks, everybody.